Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Father-Son Packers podcast, your news source for Packers news, notes, and analysis, bringing you here a pregame for the Packers matchup against the Vikings this weekend in Week 17. And I am joined, as always, by my co-host, my dad, Matt. Dad, how are you doing? All right. You know, we, we just finished a 10-and-a-half-hour drive. That should have been eight hours. But other than that, it's been a great day. <laughs> yes, we have just made quite the trip from the Bay Area back down to Southern California. So apologies that this, this podcast is coming to you a bit later than usual, but we still wanted to get it out to you. Been a bit hectic traveling for the holidays, but we're still going to bring you two a week every single week like we always do. I am Tommy. I am your, I guess, other co-host, I guess we would say. Young, the younger, more good-looking co-host. Um, but as we if go... If you're good-looking, into... you know who you have to thank for that. Uh, all right, mom. <laughs> and you know what the right answer is. You're right. And you know what the right answer is. Um, but anyway, let's get into this pregame. But before we do, just a couple news and notes, Dad. What's been going on for the Packers this past week? Quite a few moves. Eh, relatively for this time of year, at least. Yep, so... Lowry had to leave the last game with a calf injury, and they've moved him to IR. And so the earliest he would be able to return would be the NFC Championship game. And to fill that spot, they signed wide receiver Bo Melton off of the Seahawks practice squad. He was a 2022 draft pick. Um, a slightly undersized but speedy receiver with a 4-3-4, uh, 40-yard time. Mm-hmm. And then they released Tipa Nalei um, with an injury designation off of uh, – off, yeah, off of the, he just uh, reserve. could not quite get back to getting healthy this year for Tipa. And it also sucks for Lowry. He had some really good streak going of uh, some uh, – it was a bunch of straight games. I don't think he'd missed a game from injury in quite a while for the Packers. Um, but it's going to be tough. You know, they do have some depth along the D-line, so it's at least you got that. Um, but it's tough because it might also be the last time we've seen Dean Lowry play for the Packers, which is always well, a tough we'll build to swallow. we'll just have to make sure we get to the NFC Championship game. You make some good points. Uh, Melton, I think, mostly going to be a special teamer, I would imagine. Gunner. He also returner. did some um, returning in college at Rutgers as well as being a receiver. Yeah, and I feel like that's with Nixon kind of struggling with injury, which we'll talk about in a second. It's nice that they're actually having some options at returner as opposed to before they had zero options. Just a nice little change of pace here for us. But anyway, getting into the game breakdown itself, we're going to start with what we always start with, which is the injury report. Looking pretty clean for both teams besides like what we just talked about with Lowry moving to IR. For the Packers, only two players are carrying designations into the weekend, and that is the aforementioned Keyshawn Nixon, Nixon excuse me, who is questionable. However, Dad, I would be surprised if he played because he did not practice any of the practices this week for the Packers. Yeah, you were saying he's questionably questionable? Questionably questionable. He did go through warm-ups on Friday with the team. I saw uh, tweeted out by several Packers beat reporters. But it, I think the fact that he didn't get a full practice in even, wasn't even limited, he was listed as a DNP, kind of a groin injury as well, soft tissue injury. Seems yeah, for, like for, it's for, not going to... Yeah, sudden sprinting is not so good. Yeah, it seems like they're going to take a hit, both at the return front. I mean, he's been the best returner in the league. I think that's at least arguable. I think, obviously, there's several good returners in the league, but I think you could certainly make the argument he's one of the best, if not the best. And then also, he's been their starting slot corner for whatever, five, six straight weeks now. Maybe maybe even longer, now that I think about it. Pretty much ever since Stokes went out. 
yeah, it's going to take uh, several people to replace them. And I don't, and, and I, I'd be surprised if they had you know Melton jump right into return duties in his first week of the team. So it'd probably be like Dobbs and Cobb, and, uh, kind of committee. Yeah, I would take I, over Nixon's role. And it then, seems like yeah, Dobbs on kick returns, Cobb on punt returns. It's probably going to be what they go the, with. The slot corner will be that's going to take a little bit more work to figure out who it's going to be. Maybe, maybe it'll be Savage. Maybe it seems like we'll talk about it in a second, but it seems like they were putting Savage back at safety a little more after they either benched Ford or he was hurt. He was on the injury report this week, not on the final injury report, but he did. Uh, he was on the the list with a let me double check with a wrist and knee injury but he did practice in full all three days this week so tough to tell if he was benched and they just decided to go with savage or if he was feeling that injury and then felt better during the week hard to tell they did end up doing a lot of innis gains and Tariq carpenter at slot which was i think were kind they of a, slot or were they at safety i think they you were know, playing them in ask, the slot a little bit you think if i remember correctly ask who who was in the slot after uh Nixon went out. I think I, I had missed who, who was filling in there. I, I thought I saw that they were playing in the slot a little bit when I was watching. Um, I, I wouldn't be okay. surprised if they brought Savage down as well to do some of that. But yeah, so that's that's um, the Nixon injury and kind of how we think that that might impact this game. Um, and then Christian Watson is also questionable. He did not practice on Wednesday or Thursday, but he was a limited participant on Friday. Dad going to be really big. They really need him, I think, for this game because the Vikings are a team that can score a lot of points, and you got to keep pace with them. Yeah, and and when Watson's availability just changes the dynamic of the of the offense and what they're able to, um, how they're able to stress the opponent opposing defense and create opportunities for other players as well as himself. And not only like as a deep threat, he's pretty much the only one that they consistently run any kind of motion with. Um, the, the whole offense seems to change. I mean, what was it last year? Lafleur would talk about how the offense completely changed when Lazard wouldn't play because he'd have to take out chunks of the playbook for not having as good of a blocking receiver. Feels like the same thing with Watson. It's just like chunks of the offense do not work, and they don't even run them when Watson isn't playing. They don't run any motion. They don't have really anyone who can stretch the top off the defense, although when you're playing against this version of the Vikings defense that we'll talk about is a little older, a little slower. Maybe you could still get away with that with Dobbs and Lazard. Take a little less speed to stretch them. Yeah, but I think that they really need Watson to win this game, and so keeping an eye on his availability, like we said, questionable going into this game. Going to be something to watch. However, they are the only two who are on or taking an injury designation into the weekend. So that means Aaron Jones, David Bakhtiari, and Yash Nyman are all not carrying designations into the weekend. And Dad, that was something we talked about in the post game from the Dolphins game that was, especially with Nyman, uh, was going to be one that we wanted to keep an eye on because he got knocked out of that game. Vikings have quite the pair of edge rushers, and they're going to need both their tackles on their A game this weekend. Right, it's gonna be nice to have. It looks like their their um, preferred starting line for this week, and yeah. have um, Bakhtiari, who's when he's available, been playing really well, and Nyman's been playing well, and they, I think, they're gonna need them rather than have the uh, you know less experienced and not as stout uh, tackles that though Tom is is uh, has been playing well, I think he'd be susceptible to a power rush. Yeah, that, say, Z might put on him. I was going to say Z is the type of rusher that I would think he would struggle with just size and strength. And I mean, I don't, I think 
I not that yeah, I don't the, think Tom can eventually take care of that kind of assignment, but I think right now he's barely touching 300 pounds. So I yeah, think that I might think be tough. Tom does better with uh, managing rushers who are trying to run around him yeah. and directing them around the quarterback and, and, and standing them up. But Z is best with like, sort of like the, the half-man bull rush trying to go through your face, yeah, and, as it were. And that might be a weakness of Tom's right now. Um, but it'd be... But uh, I think, yeah, that, and that is the strength of their rush. Though, though uh, they can get some up the middle too with uh, Tomlinson. Tomlinson. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's a nice player. He's got he's got a little bit of pass rush juice as well. Yeah, and one thing I wanted to say about these injury reports. So you know, Aaron Jones doesn't carry any designation. He's he still last hurt. week. Either. Yeah, I mean, he didn't last week. He was limited all week. He only he was limited participant in all three practices this week. Limited participant in all three practices last week. Didn't carry a designation in last week. Didn't carry a designation in this week. And last week, you could tell he's not a hundred percent. He's definitely seemed to be on some kind of uh, snap count because he did not play very many snaps. And they're working and he has his leg for out a few weeks now. They're working his leg out on the sideline. They're wrapping up his ankles like. And right, no, I think so. They've had to stop, you know, take him out in the middle of the game so he can uh, like rewrap his ankle. Yeah, I mean, he's and you can tell like he's not hitting the holes. Like he's had, he has yeah. a couple so nice that, runs a game. That eighteen that eighteen yard run around the right side late in the game looked good. Yeah, it seems like he's not having as much success running up the middle as he did earlier in the year. I don't know if that's just I not thinking of any or if it's just a sample size I, thing. Yeah, I don't know, and I haven't been paying attention uh, closely enough to know if that's. Um, how effectively they're being blocked. I just don't, I, I can't answer that question. Yeah, I was going to say their tackles are, attention. their tackles are better than their interior right now, to be fair. But it does seem like he's not 100%. He's not playing quite as impactful football as he was earlier in the year when he was pretty much the whole offense. I don't think he could be the whole offense if you needed him to be right now, which is another reason why you really need Watson to be out there. Um, but yeah, so those are the injury designations for the Packers. Going over to the Vikings, also a fairly clean report, um, but they do have their starting center, uh, Garrett Bradbury, is going to be out for this game, and then one of their D-linemen, James Lynch, is also going to be out for this game. I think the Bradbury one is significantly more impactful. Um, however, I will say, when he does play, Kenny usually dogs him. So, yeah, but I was looking. He's having a better year this year, um, at least by PFF grade. Um, mm-hmm. It's actually been better than Myers, um, though. Though Kenny has had his number, he has just kind yeah. of owned him. Well, the thing is, he's a smaller, he's a more, he's a smaller center. He's more of a finesse guy. He's more of the type to, like, he's a, more of a run blocking center, um, more of that like zone offense type center. And I think that Kevin O'Connell offense is very good for him, especially in the run game. But he's a smaller guy, and Kenny has bullied him the past few years. But he is not going to play in this game, so they are going to be with their backups. I don't think it's going to make the biggest difference, but just with the way that matchup has gone in the past when he has played. But just something to keep an eye on. Dad, did you have anything else that you wanted to take a peek at at the injury report before we move on to the meat and potatoes? No, I think we're ready to move on. All right, cool. Um Let's start with, we'd like to do every week with our preview, especially in divisional games, our blast from the past. And dad, these teams played in week one and it did not go very well. Nope. <laughs> to say was, the least, it did not go very well. It was just another week one, you know, 
well, disaster here's the, uh, here's the, the thing. I would love to travel back to that time when I was like, oh, this is just the Packers are always bad in week one. But nope, the Packers were just not very good at the start of the year at all. <laughs> nope, they lost this game 23-7 to as they almost totally failed to guard Justin Jefferson at all. He had 184 yards and two touchdowns. And um, as there was a lot of sort of, I don't the- know, they're they're acting out the Spider Man meme as they're as the Packers defensive backs are pointing at each other. Like you was that you? That no, was, was that you? That was me? That was you? I man, I remember thinking at the time too, it was like week one, I was like, you know, week one, you know, they're still trying to get like the communication done. You know, week two, they're still trying to get the communication. You know, week three, they're still trying to get the communication. And that continued for quite a little while. They've kind of cleaned it up a little bit, although you could see that Jalen Waddle play last week, 84 yards, bad communication yet again. Um, but yeah, back yep. in week one when we thought it was just another week one aberration. What, a t- what sweet summer yep. children we were back then, huh, Dad? Yes, everything was... Uh, Peaches and cream. You know, the, the, and and, and there was the, the season was in front of us full of... Hope and promise. Hope, promise, and opportunity. And now it's behind us and, um, and then full of and regret the, and sadness. <laughs> Rodgers got sacked four times with Hanson and Newman blocking on the right side. Imagine going into week one and being like, this is this is it. This is the O-line we want out there. Like, what were we thinking? Yeah. What was the plan? I don't what, know. What was the plan? So, so the Packers' offensive line is going to be is way better now. Should than be. It was then. Should be. We much didn't better. have. We didn't. We didn't have Jenkins. True. We had Bakhtiari. Very true. And and so we had instead of them, we had Hanson and Newman. Yeah, you make some and good points. And both of them next to each other on the same side. But other than that, how was the play, Mrs. Lincoln? <laughs> I mean, Pretty yeah, much. it was a it was a disaster in the secondary that week. It was a disaster along the offensive line. They couldn't do much of anything. Christian Watson had the opportunity to start his season off with a uh, bang. Yeah, let's, not for, let's not forget that first, exactly. first play and just the first season. play just drop. So maybe if he can play this week, a nice little opportunity at a revenge game from the team that not only did he struggle in week one against them. They also were the team that the Packers traded up with to pick Christian Watson. So the Vikings yes. had a chance to pick him, and we're like, no, we're okay with our division rival having him. And so a little bit of an opportunity for him to prove himself in that kind of aspect. Beyond that, Dad, let's move on to what's been going on for the Vikings since we played in that week one game. The Vikings have set... <laughs> Do you want to take this one? You did the research on this one. You go ahead. They're so, what? 12, they're 12 and 3? If you've been listening to what everybody else is talking about, what's going on in Vikings world, the big story is that some people might use the word fraudulent, but the Vikings have set the NFL record for one-score wins. with 11. The, one, the all- thing that I heard was they have 18 horseshoes stuck up their ass right now. It's the fun yeah, one that I heard. They didn't remember who said that. But they're 11 and 0 in one-score games. Their only win of the season by more than one score was week one against the Packers. Gold star for us. <laughs> the Vikings are also only plus five in points, in point differential for the whole season. For the whole season. So for that, and so if you think about that, their average like margin and, of victory is less than, a, it's like less than half a point a game. And I hate and to nitpick. 12 and three. I, I hate to do this, be the person to nitpick wins, but... You know, people did it to us in 2019 when we were 13 and three. So it's time for me to hit you right back and with we that. Found out what that and and they were right. And they were right. Play. We were frauds. <laughs> we got our we, asses we, kicked. We, we made it to we made it the NFC Championship game. We were able to beat the uh, was that the Rams Seahawks, the Seahawks that year. That was the Seahawks year. Yeah, 
And then we got crushed because exactly. uh, we matched up very poorly so with a better team. We know what it's like to win a lot of very close games and have people call us frauds and fight really hard. And like, no, we're not. We just know how to win ugly games. Good teams win one-score games. No, wrong. But the Vikings have won a game where they were down 33 points at halftime. They've won a game on a 60-yard kick. They have squeaked by the Commanders. They won a game against the Bills where the Bills fumbled away the ball at their own goal line on a QB sneak. Just trying to run out the clock. Just I trying mean, to run out the clock. They would have kneeled on it if they had, didn't have to gain like one yard. Yeah. I mean, they, like we said, they are just bitten by the lucky bug right now. They have found just about every way to win. And te- people will say good teams find a way to win. You know, lucky teams find a way to have the other team lose against them sometimes, too. Yeah, sometimes that is, um, let's just say it's not predictive. Yes. And speaking of some more predictive stats, despite being 12-3 and on the year compared to the Packers 7-8, and the Packers are actually 10th in DVOA per Football Outsiders, while the Vikings are just 19th, which takes into account opponent strength, overall performance, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. Just two two weeks ago, they, like we said, broke the record for largest comeback in the regular season ever, 33 points. I mean, you can't make this stuff up. And a lot of this is the reason that the Packers are actually favored by three and a half points. So it is in Lambeau, which means essentially in a neutral field, they would call this a pick'em, despite the dis- uh, disparity in records. Kind of interesting to think yeah. about. And in some ways, this is kind of similar to how the, the Vikings were recently underdogs to the Lions. Yeah team that had a much worse record than them on paper had a better DVOA though, you know, maybe we, and the lions ended up winning that game because they had home field advantage and they, they won it fairly convincingly. I think it ended up being a one score game in the end. Did it? Mm, no, no, they had a drive that could have made no, it. The one it score could have been a one score game because they have not lost because they have not lost a one score game, but they lost 23, 34. Ah, yes, yes. Okay. Yeah. They, I think they were driving to make it a one score game and then it didn't work out. But anyway, that's kind of what's going on in Vikings world. Dad, let's get into the crux of this breakdown. And let's start off with some, you know, let's 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 give the Vikings some credit. What makes them a tough matchup? Because they do have several, I would say, individual players and pieces of their team that do, that are key, essentially key, like the most important positions on an NFL team, they check a lot of those boxes. Yep, and surprisingly enough, you and I have na- um, named the same player as maybe our number one priority because he um, he might win Offensive Player of the Year this year. I think he's the betting favorite right now, and that is the Justin Jefferson because he keeps yes. kicking our ass. And so dear, I have dear to respect it. In, in case you didn't already know, we were talking about Justin Jefferson. Like we said last time they that the played, the Packers were hoping to draft when he came out of uh, LSU. And last time they played, like we said, nine catches for 184 yards and two touchdowns. That'll do it. I mean, you got our attention. Yeah, he yep. has busted us up like several times since he's entered the league. I think his third year in the league now. And he's busted us up at least four times now. So, yep. And and there's more. Uh, I could add some since we're talking about Justin Jefferson. I can yeah, add my go, notes on him as give, well. Give give your notes because that was you my move main on note. To your other players. Go ahead. That, no, he leads the league in receiving yards. And yep. he's trying to be the first wide receiver to crack 2,000 yards in the season um, and, and break Calvin Johnson's record of um, 1,964. So, and Jefferson is at 1,756 with two games to go. He might get so, that just against us. 
<laughs> At this rate. Other, if we cover him like we did last time. Exactly. He is the, the number one ranked wide receiver by Football Outsiders and number two by PFF. His mm-hmm. catch rate, 71%. Fifth among wide receivers in yards per, per target for pro football reference. And he leads the league in receptions over 10 yards um, yep. per fantasy pros. He is like most of their offense. He's like a good, like over half of their offense is just give that man the ball because he's almost always open. And when he's not, he'll catch it. And he's also good with the ball in his hands. And he runs really good routes and he has really good hands. Like he, he is probably, I would say the fast. most, probably the most well-rounded receiver in the NFL. I think that's fair to say. Yeah. He, he's, he's pretty, he's basically good at every aspect of the game. Yeah. It's very annoying. When he first, first came out, I was like, Oh man, this guy's catch percentage is amazing. Well, the for, thing, well, the and, thing and is, then, then he tested like, oh wow, he's also really fast. He's just not a, a hands possession receiver. And everyone was like, well, he's only a slot receiver. It's like, no, that's just because the other guys on the team couldn't play in the slot. He can actually just play anywhere he wants. Like it's that. Like he's like that. It's very annoying. I'm very tired of playing against him, and it's only going to be another decade plus of this. Unless, hey, Justin Jefferson, if you ever want to pull a Stephon Diggs, force your way out. <laughs> I would be I would be totally to okay with that. To anyone. I don't even care. You can go wherever you want. As long as it's not the Niners. As long as it's as long as it's not the Niners. You can go wherever you want, buddy. I don't care. But anyway, or the Patriots. I don't like the or the Cowboys. You know, I'm just gonna keep listing a few more. <laughs> yes. But but anyway, yes. I think Ju- Justin Jefferson is rightfully so the favorite to win offensive rookie of the year. He's their most valuable player for sure. He's incredibly difficult to stop, as we demonstrated all by ourselves he is really tough but he's not the only part of that team that is difficult to deal with and that makes them a tough matchup the other thing that i think i want to highlight is that they have a really good edge rush duo highlighted by a familiar face for us in zadaria smith and then his co-running mate daniel hunter per pff for edge rushers hitting their 20 percent threshold of uh, pass rush snaps in terms of total pressures smith is tied for second hunter is eighth They are the only team with two in the top 10 in the entire league. Both are also in the top 20 of pass rush win percentage per PFF. And Zadarius Smith has the eighth highest pass rush grade for them. And Hunter has the 19th highest pass rush grade for them. So two, probably I would say we were talking about this earlier on our drive, probably the best edge rush duo in the league. Would you say Dad? Or at least top two or top three. Could be. We were talking about this earlier and trying to think of names, but it's possible if you you think of uh... Michael Parsons as a pure edge, then uh, yeah, Cowboys, Cowboys, Parsons and Lawrence, um, yeah, yeah. I think they're the only other ones I'd put in the conversation. There's several others that we talked about: Dolphins having Phillips and Chubb, and then we talked a bit about the Chargers having Mac and Bosa, but Bosa's been out most of the year. Raiders, the same thing with the the Bills with Rousseau and um, yeah, but I would Von say Miller, but exactly, Miller's but I, hurt. I would say the only one I would put in that tier is Micah Parsons and Dexter Lawrence. But anyway, two really great edge rushers. And then on the other side of the ball, they have two really solid bookend tackles. Uh, PFF has Darisaw, their left tackle, as their second highest graded tackle in the entire league. And O'Neal, their right tackle, is the sixth highest graded tackle in the entire league. With O'Neal allowing zero quarterback hits on the second most snaps at right tackle in the league. Has not allowed the quarterback to be hit one time on his side, which is very impressive. Yeah, that's uh, that, that's pretty astounding. Uh, he's got zero zero hits in the entire year, and just nine pressures all year. So he's having a fantastic year, right? So that means 
that getting pressure off the edge is, is going to be very difficult. difficult. Did you have anything else that made what? What else do you think makes the Vikings a tough matchup? So I, I mentioned Tomlinson already as one of their uh, defensive tackles, and he's he's got some pass rush juice from the inside. He's like the tenth best graded um, interior defender by PFF in in pass rush grade. Um, and he's also I think decent against the run. Um, and actually, I, I should I need to mention that. Kirk Cousins, for all of the often deserved mockery, yes. has actually been pretty good against the Packers the last three years. Yeah, um, his, his his PFF grades against Packers the last year are like eighty two, um, two sixty four point eight. One of them was that crazy win game, and an, and an eighty seven. So two sort of very good bordering elite I grades. Am two choosing, kind of slightly above average grades. I am choosing to give all of the credit to Jefferson. I refuse to acknowledge. <laughs> anything else Kirk Cousins related and he he has had you know, before but the year before so that was 20 the early game earlier this year the only only played one game against us last year and the two in 2020 and then if you go back to 2019 and uh the first year those are pretty bad and he had more sort of turnover worthy plays before so you're um, saying before Jefferson got there he was not very good <laughs> that's what I'm here well be he didn't he didn't give us as many sort of uh interceptions that we dropped this last um week one this yeah, year he stopped, get some... i need him to start doing these stupid bonehead plays where he just throws the ball to us he hasn't done that in, it feels like a long time like kirk what's up well, i thought we were at friends least this, at least this year uh <laughs> not so much uh, but i think he's still well the thing you know you know why he didn't do it this, very good you know why he didn't do it for us this year is because none of our guys were anywhere within 30 feet of a receiver <laughs> he, that first he tried i was gonna he say he, to get he could have tried to we'd never know we would never have known if he was trying to throw. We were it to not us. close enough to pick off those those misthrown balls. Exactly. But I mean, still, for, in terms of the whole, he just seems to lately been playing well against better against us than he's been playing against the rest of the league. Yeah, he's and, still kind of a mid tier quarterback. He's like you know fourteenth, um, kind of middle of the pack by PFF um, grade, and, and so I just feel like it, just very recently. He seems to have figured out a way to at least reduce the mistakes against us. So, but that's also, you know, can always be something about small sample size mm-hmm. in a single game format that could turn around any minute and you could throw us, you know, like three or four. Yeah, Kirk, I need some regression to the mean, buddy. I know yeah. this is not who you are. I need some regression to the mean, buddy. But anyway, those are kind of some things that we think that makes the Vikings a tough matchup in general, highlighted, of course, by Jefferson. Their edge rushers, yeah. and tackles. And, well, and... I should also mention, you know, another player who's given us trouble in the past. And I have talked about it, Cook, like Dalvin Cook. He 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 cooks against us. I mean, yep. he hasn't had the best year. He's looked like he's lost a bit of a step. But I'll be damned if he doesn't run for 120 yards against us. Like he he keeps he keeps it in reserve for when he's playing against us. It seems like. Yeah. Or we I, just I have suck. I have some. I'll, I'll talk about him a little bit later because I, I did go through some of the the numbers on him. But uh, well, yeah. You want to lead can, us? You want to lead us off? Is that what you have for how you think they're going to exploit us? That's one of the things I have for how the Vikings will try to exploit the Packers. And Take so, it away. So I'll I'll actually jump to that one since I already mentioned it. But I suspect the Vikings will try to run Cook based on previous success. Yeah. Um, I looked back it's, over the last six games broke. that he's that he played against us. He's averaged 117 yards from scrimmage against the Packers in the last six um, meetings, including 108 earlier this year. So it isn't just 
the previous coaching staff. They still did it to the Packers again this year with 90 running and 18 yards receiving. I didn't bother looking through all the and touchdowns. Why and does it seem one, like there's one bad week? Really, but why, do, why does it seem like every single time we play them, he has at least one 60 yard play? Like every single time, yes. he'll have just one massive play, and we'll just be like, so no one wants to tackle yeah. this guy on thinking, this play? And you're probably thinking about the play where Savage comes running in. Is that Savage's rookie year? And takes a terrible angle and just gets beat for a 60 or 80 yard touchdown. I wasn't even thinking was. about that one. I was thinking about the screen game in the wind game where they dump it off in the middle and he went for 50 yards. Oh, there's that one too. Yeah. So he's had, he's really so only many, had so one. So many to choose from. But in the last six games, he's had one bad one where he had 16 yards from scrimmage. And that was week 17 last year where it was, you know, the, the Sean Mannion QB game. Mm-hmm. Where, that was, was, that, right? that was his was last Man- six games against us. It was. Was it Mannion? I think you might be right. I think it was Mannion. I think it, that was the, the one that Cousins missed last year with COVID? Yes. Whatever reason. Injury? I don't remember. He wasn't playing. But anyway. Yeah. So, yeah. And, Cook always cooks against us, it seems like. And and, and so, but I, I do have, there are some reasons. That I think that so the, the reasons from history, I think they'll try it. But the Vikings O-line. They've been met is, at running it, the ball this year. Yeah, and they're bad at like sort of power success, one of the um, football outsiders metrics, where it's your ability to get a first down or touchdown on third and fourth, third or fourth and short, like one or two yards. 30th um, in power success and dead last in stuff percentage. So that's like runs that don't gain anything or essentially get like, I forget Mm -hmm. if it's zero or one. Yeah. Um, And so they've been bad at both of those, of course. And then the Packers, the line is last in stuff percentage, the ability to stuff the uh, opponent. So, so the we got another is, stoppable force versus movable object, folks. Right? We're back so, at so it again. Who, whose bad unit will prevail? Um, so I think that's why we'll see the Vikings give it a try, even though they haven't been very good at it. Yeah, and I mean, we have just been so bad at stopping the run for so long. But I think beyond that Cook thing, they... Like like we said before, I think they're going to hammer that Justin Jefferson button. That is the easy button for their offense. That's what I have, at least, for how I think they're going to try and exploit us. Yeah. It worked last time. There's no reason to think that they won't at least try it again this time. And it, Is this going to be like, you know, offense. you like hit the button enough times you get like the speed run? Exactly. Whatever, 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 whatever power up you get, depending on what game you're playing. Yeah, and then the other thing I think is something that was not an aspect of their offense the last time we played is TJ Hawkinson, who they acquired since we last played them. He's been a major factor of their offense. He's getting like eight and a half targets every single game since moving to the Vikings. And 42% of his receiving yards are coming after the catch. He's not getting as much yards after the catch. It's actually substantially less with the Vikings than he did with the Lions. But he's just getting used a whole lot more with the Vikings than he did with the Lions. He is a player the Packers are familiar with, having played in the NFC North for the past few years, just albeit in Detroit. But the amount like the usage amount that he gets is far more now that he's in Minnesota. And I think he presents some problems for the Packers as like them having a much more reliable release valve and underneath uh, presence than they did with when they, we played them in week one. And when we've played them in the past, the fact that they're able to allow um, several Vikings analysts I've talked that I've, I've listened to speak on other Packers podcasts have talked about how they're able to now run Jefferson on deeper routes with the threat of Hawkinson underneath as a bit of a more uh, efficient and more threatening uh, dump down and check down for Kirk. 
because he's pretty good with the ball in his hands. He's a pretty good tackle breaker. Uh, he was coming out of Iowa. It's why, that's what made him a top 10 pick. Um, and he presents a new dynamic to their offense that the Packers have not had to face yet. Like I said, getting like nine targets a game. He's something I'm keeping an eye on for how I think that they're going to take advantage of us because we have struggled with those kind of guys in motion underneath and tackling all year. And then I think that their edge rushers against our tackles coming off injury is going to be a little tough because Nyman with that bad shoulder and then Bakhtiari hasn't played since week 13. So those are kind of how I think that they're going to try and take advantage of us going forward. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I see that that we've got both of our starting um, inside linebackers able to play. Yep. Exactly. Yeah, That's not good. Down one, which that'll help a little bit, I think, with a with a Hawkinson thing. I think the other thing about some some sort of s- s- style points. I think the Vikings throw a lot as, as yeah, a team. They throw Kelsey's a lot. Third on the year in pass attempts, behind only Brady and Herbert, and they're third in the league in pass play percentage. So I think we can expect a very pass heavy script by the by the Vikings in this game. Even though you know they might be able to mix it up, I think they'll probably revert to their. Um, normal patterns at some point. Um, will they be able to take advantage of some of the Packers' um, weakest O-line metric, which is their power success rate? You know, the Packers' failure on short yardage and third and fourth downs, which tracks exactly with the the Packers' lack of lack of success in these downs. How they've had trouble converting, and you know, on third down or scoring in short yardage goal to go situations. And will the will the Vikings, you know, will that help them in getting the the, the Packers off the field and forcing them to punt? Maybe that might be something that the Packers will be able to exploit. Sorry, the Vikings will be able to um, exploit the Packers in and yeah. getting them off the field. Just our situational offense all year has been so poor. And I feel like it's just such a glaring like flaw in this team right now. Yep. And, and so another thing I think they'll do in terms of alignments is I expect to see Zadarius Smith wind up in the center over Josh Myers to take advantage of yeah. what I think is generally considered to be the, the currently the weakest link in the Packers' offensive line. And, you know, yeah. Got, oh um, man, poor so Myers. That, poor and, Myers, and, man. And Zadarius has been, you know, did a lot for the Packers where they put him over the center. You know, we got Bakhtiari and Nyman both been doing very well in pass block win rate. Runyon like is most of been playing like he said gives him a couple of points, but not very much and very rarely gets any penalties. Um, and Elton Jenkins is playing really well. Um, once he kind of made, got to like the one year mark, or not, or even the 11, 11 month mark since his ACL, he started playing really well. So yeah. Myers has been the weakest link. On He's the, the line one so they're far. looking at. He's the one that they've zeroed in on. I'm and, almost and, certain. Uh, Get a good night's uh, sleep, Josh, because you're going to need it, buddy. Yep. So I think that's another way they'll be trying to exploit the the backers. Yeah, and especially in a game where we're, I think we're going to need to be able to run the ball. I mean, we're going to need to be able to move the ball and losing yards on first and second down running the ball is not going to be conducive to that when you have a terrible third down offense. No, we, and we don't want to get into third long and let them, you know, tee off in the house. Exactly. Anyway, though, the Packers definitely have some avenues, however, to win this game, which is kind of what we want to touch on next. How we usually go through this is end on a bit more of a upbeat note. Dad, let's talk a little bit about there are definitely some ways the Packers can take advantage of the Vikings in this game. Uh, yeah, I have <laughs> I have a list of actually quite a list of things. Yeah, um, hit us with it. So the Vikings have, even though this, I think they're going to try it, um, the, the run game against the Packers, they've not <laughs> been good at it this year. 
They have only 26th in DVOA for football outsiders as a running offense. So they may not be able to actually take advantage of the Packers primary weakness. Um, their, their defense is also not good. And then I think worse lately, giving up like tons of points to bad teams. And they're only 22nd by DVOA and their past defense, the past defense is 24th mm-hmm. and been lit up on, on multiple occasions. And even yeah. though they've got two good edge rushers, they're, they're over their sack rate is overall as a team is not high. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, uh, yeah, I feel like they, they, they seem to be getting a lot of pressures, but that pa- the pass rush seems to be pretty much just them, and then not mm-hmm. and not a lot beyond them. I mean, they have two very good star pass rushers who are both elite at what they do, but beyond them, it kind of seems like they're holding down the fort on that front. Yeah, and they're not the kind of defense which I think stylistically has been giving the Packers so much trouble the last couple of years where teams are like really good against the run and make it really hard for the Packers to sort of run their normal offense by being able to run the ball to set up the pass. They're just kind of middle of the pack as a running defense. And so I, they, they're in that respect, they're not built to take advantage of, um, well, not, not to take advantage, but disrupt what the Packers want to do, I should say. Yeah, and speaking of their defense, like, like you said, their defense is pretty meh overall, 24th against the pass. And part of that is, what I have written down, is their secondary is old, slow, and bad. Like, yep. you're either... they sh- The Packers should be able to take deep shots against the secondary, especially if Watson is playing, but even if he's not. I mean, their starters are Patrick Peterson, who's 32 years old and looks it. Harrison Smith, who's 33 years old, still a good player, but not not light on his feet anymore. Cameron Bynum, who ran a four five eight second forty coming out of college, and Duke Shelley, who ran a four five one second forty coming out of college. They got no speed on the back end at all. So if you can protect long enough against those edge rushers, and you can trust your tackles, and you can keep Mercedes in there to give a little help, they should not be able to stick with Watson. They probably shouldn't even be able to stick with Dobbs. Like they are sl- slow and old in the secondary, and they've shown it a lot of times this year, which is part of the reason they have the twenty fourth ranked pass defense in the league. Yeah, and by PFF coverage, their coverage grade is twentieth in the league. Yeah, I mean the secondary has looked really, really rough all year, especially since they lost Dantzler for a lot of the time this year. They lost Andrew Booth, who was their second round pick this year, has missed a lot of time. They've been, and then I mean, they still have Chandon Sullivan in the slot, uh, familiar face, but he's not particularly fast either. Like they don't have a lot of speed on the back end. Nope. What else did you have for ways the Packers could possibly take so, advantage? Of? So I have some other things to say about. So their offensive line, though they have two really good tackles, their interior I think has been so poor that yeah. it's kind of um, made the entire unit as a whole grade out poorly. So they're 28th in pass, well, sorry, 25th in run block win rate and only 21st in pass block win rate. Um, and I've seen so, their guard, Ingram, step on Kirk Cousins' own, like step on his own quarterback's foot multiple times this year and knock him over. If you want to do that again this week, we'll take it. That would be good. Maybe you can even drop the ball too. And then the uh, the Packers, you know, their, their, their offensive line has been getting better and better. It's mm-hmm. like, they're second overall now by DVOA. 
seventh in adjusted sack rate and really good in run blocking. And the, the Packers, you may know these numbers about that the Packers like um, passing defense right now it's, is eight. yeah, it's and really last, high, like, especially over the last like, five weeks, weeks. Like, exactly. or something over the last five weeks. Yeah, it's weird. It's weird to think about that that we've been so like critical of the way Barry has called some of these soft coverages, but statistically it's working, which is just crazy to think about. Yeah, the, the run defense is still terrible. Oh yeah, well it is what it is, you know. Can can't have can't have everything, I suppose. Yep. Did you uh, did you have anything else for um, how Packers can take advantage? I think I've mentioned most of the things about how the 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 Packers. Yeah, I think I've got all that. I think they can uh, run. Yeah. And I think on, just on the Vikings, like you said, with the interior O line of the Vikings, I was just going to add. This should be an opportunity for Kenny, uh, Jaron Reed, and Devontae Wyatt, who I would love to see. He had a season high in snaps and snap percentage last week. I'd love to see even more of him this week. I feel like he's earned it. Uh, they've talked about him in pressers, talking about how they've really liked the work he's put in and that they just generally bring D linemen along slowly. Why? At, the, at this point, why? Just give him some t- snaps. Let him learn on the job. He'll make mistakes. It's okay. Like they need him out there. They need some more impactful players along that interior. It's a good matchup for them. And I think they should have an opportunity to take advantage of it. Going beyond that, dad, what specifically do you want to see from the Packers in this game? So as you mentioned, I want to see the the Packers pressure cousins up the middle where the offensive line is weakest. Yeah. I even have that. I even have that. I want them to send send blitzes up the middle in my I, how I, I want them I, to do I, that. I have that too. I have like pressure comes in the middle of Clark and Wyatt and blitzes by Walker. Yeah. And this is the weakest part of the Vikings O-line and they'll be running out of backup at center. Yeah. Who's make, well below average by PFF make, grades. And he's got a decent Austin Schlotman. He's got a decent number of snaps. It's not like it's a small sample size. He's got 231 snaps. Make and their center think and set protections and make it complicated for him. Make that interior mentally exhausted because it's just as much a physical thing as it is a mental thing, especially at the center position. Yep. And then I think we have a couple of overlapping things. You have like the, the blitz up the middle and I have the rush middle. I have run the ball to the outside of Zadarius's pass rushing lane and combine that with screens behind him to take advantage of the fact that he's surely going to be like extra amped up to try and, and dive in for the QB sack. And we've seen... And we've seen it for years firsthand. He is hyper-aggressive getting upfield, and other teams were able to take advantage of us running right at him. Why don't we do the, that? The, cue the, the 2019... Raheem Mostert is on um, repeat. Zedarius yeah. is diving into the middle, and Mostert is dashing well, he's either the outside. diving into the middle, or he's working way upfield outside the tackle, and the gap, the, the seat, yep. the... The B gap is wide open. Like, yep. I mean, yeah, we saw it for years, so there's no reason we should. Exactly. You expect him to be ultra aggressive because he's really going to want to show out. I would think in Lambeau, you don't think he wants to get at least two or three of those things. Like he he is going to be gunning for sacks. He's got, you know, you know what he's got. You he's, know he's got a special T-shirt on oh, that you, jersey. You know that he, he is does. Dying to show to the fans, so he's going to want that sack so bad. Do you think it says? 
Captain, or do you think it says? <laughs> oh, what, what do you What one. do you think it's What do you think it says? Captain Z. I don't know. Uh, yeah, it's it's got to be something like that. But yeah, that's a good point. I hadn't even thought about that. For me, I really need to see them take those shot plays against the secondary, like we talked about. Like you said, um, blitzing and running at Z. The other thing I think is any high leverage situation, third downs, red zone. Justin Jefferson needs black needs bracket coverage. He needs yep. additional attention. Like they they need. There's no reason not to. He killed you last time. You need to give him the respect that he has earned by torching you every time you haven't done this. I mean, what is it? Jair Alexander was out here saying that he had a fluke. That the that game that week one was a fluke. What was it Kyle Brandt on Good Morning Football said he had nine flukes for 184 flukes and two <laughs> flukes, flukes, which was hilarious. But he's not wrong. Like you, it's hard to call it a fluke when he just torched you over and over again. They can't right. let so their you, ego. Like they need to give additional attention to him. They need to. Right. So so put somebody on him and then bracket him. Yes. Over the top. I'm so I'm that, tired. Uh, if you get beat by, by Adam Thielen and KJ Osborne, it's okay. It's okay. Oh, but I, what I was going to say is, if you get beat by the other team's obvious number one weapon, with because you don't put enough attention, that is a catastrophic failure. You, yeah, you need to planning. stop option one before you worry about options two through five. Like, yep. sure, sure, TJ Hawkinson is dangerous. Sure, Adam Thielen is dangerous. Sure, KJ Osborne has had a really nice year as a third receiver. Got to stop number one first. You got to stop yep. the big guy first. But anyway, moving on, Dad. Who are some players for the Packers you well, keep in I, I did have one more oh, thing. Go ahead. It was kind of similar to like the shot list. I want to see them passing to crossers to to receivers on the run across the middle of the field to take advantage of the speed. So after the catch, mm-hmm. so ha- so that somebody in in stride, not like going out, turning and sitting down, and then go. I want to see somebody um, hitting the ball, get, hitting him with the ball on the move across the um, crossing across the middle of the field, and then just taking off past their slow secondary take advantage of the speed um discrepancy exactly but by by not just by with shot plays but by getting them on the move it's a slow um, secondary defense yeah. yeah it's a slow secondary but anyway dad let's get down to winding down this game players to watch for the packers i have a couple you have a few lead us off so i've like i put first like as we mentioned before clark and white i'm gonna lump together so the the, the middle of Put Pass some respect on Reed's name, Dad. He's coming off a great game. That is true. He did have a great game, but I want. I, I expect to see Kenny wreck shop um, because he has against the Vikings in the past, and he's coming off of his best game in a while, if not the year. And I really, I really want to see what Devontae Wyatt can do when he gets a like regular game's worth of snaps. Yeah, and then I want to see what Romeo Dobbs can do um with or without christian watson in this game mm-hmm. and i'm going to be very interested to see how jair is, is playing and where he's lining up in this game yeah where and he's deployed you know um how that's going to play out yeah and i'm hoping we can get another interview after this game like last week's game <laughs> that was one of the best interviews i've ever seen go check out the Father's at Father Son Packer on Twitter. If we uh, retweeted that interview, if you want to go check it out, it's of Jair walking through his pick in the second half against Tua. It's a very good interview. It's a lot of fun. And come check out that Twitter. Just a quick second to pitch all of our socials. Come check us out on Twitter. We tweet when we have new episodes, any news and analysis, any injury notes. We always have it there. If you enjoy what you hear, 
Come give us a follow. That once again, that's at Father Son Packer. Come give us a, give us a subscription on YouTube if you enjoy what you hear. It would really help our numbers. Father Son Packers podcast on YouTube, and you can find us our podcast on any other podcast platform: Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Google Podcasts, excuse me, etc. If you want to come check us out anywhere else, we would really appreciate it. For me, my players to watch as we wind down here are Josh Myers, like we said. He is probably the weak link on the offensive line that they're going to target and that Zadarius specifically is going to target. He has to have a good game for them to succeed. And then the other one is Darnell Savage because he seems to have gotten his job back after Ford got benched a bit last week. Let's see how he bounces back because I think a lot of times there were a lot of communication errors specifically in his zone from him. And the coaching staff and him have both talked about how he's worked really hard to earn their trust back and earn his spot back and that they're really happy with what he's done, how he's put his head down and wasn't happy about getting benched, but he didn't sit and feel bad for himself. He put the work in and got his spot back. And so I'm really interested to see how that works for him this game because they're going to need a good game from everyone in the secondary. They're not going to have any room for these lapses, these mental, mental, uh, mental lapses, these coverage issues like they've had previously. They need a complete game from the secondary, and having him back in the fold is going to be good because they need that elite athleticism back there, and they need him to have a good game. Uh, Dad, should we move on to score predictions? Well, I was just going to say that if we can get like end of 2020 season savage for the rest of this year, it would make a huge difference. Huge difference. Yes, I totally agree. I think that he's so talented. If he can put it together and make that step that he hadn't been able to make until now, it would just be so good for the Packers, especially because they're locked into that fifth-year option for next year. Yep. So, Dad, score prediction. So I have the Packers helping the Vikings maintain their 11-0 record in one-score games by beating them 31-20. to Nice, nice. I think I've got the Packers winning 35-28. to I think it's going to be a high-scoring game. Okay. In Lambo, has been not, averaging like almost twenty-seven points a game in the last like five or six games. It's going to be so in Lambo. It's not supposed to be that cold though. It's only supposed to no, be like it's be thirty something, mid thirties for the high, mid upper thirties for the high, and twenty-eight for the, for the low. But it's going to be a daytime. Sun's going to be out. It's not going to be that cold. I'm expecting well, a I higher scoring I, game. It's going to be. It's going. Sun's going to go down before the game's over. I thought we had a ten a.m. game. No, I believe it is um, like three twenty-five. Um, for not you are right yes 325 local local time time. yes good catch but anyway thanks so much for joining us everyone this has been our pregame for the packers vikings game in week 17 if you like what we heard we do two podcasts every week a pregame and a postgame so come check us out come check our postgame out after the vikings game hopefully after a win hopefully the packers control their own destiny reminder that if (laughs) the uh Commanders lose to the Browns this weekend and the Packers beat the Vikings. They officially control their own destiny, win and in against the Lions in week 18. But let's not get it too far ahead of ourselves. Let's only control what we can control. And that is this game against the Vikings. You know, it's always fun to get wins against division rivals. You're at home in Lambeau. Let's go take care of business. Go Pack Go. Go Pack Go.